Hello listeners, welcome to My Sister Made Me View It. This is not the official episode start right now. I wanted to jump on really fast and let y'all know. Um, if anyone is coming to the Dragonsteel convention for 2023, uh, Megan and I are going to do a special My Sister Made Me View It panel, I guess that's what... No, dog, can you... No, stop for five seconds. <laughs> Megan and I are going to be on a panel at Dragonsteel. We are going to be covering Elantris and Tress, one of Brandon's newest, newest novels. Uh, and our wonderful patron listeners uh, have decided it's going to be the Elantris panel. Uh, so we are going to be on Monday the 20th at 7 p.m. at the conference. If you are there, we would be super happy to see you. We're so excited. Um, you may know this already, but uh, we actually accidentally got the scheduled again during Brandon's spoiler Q&A, just like we did last year. So many thanks to Priscilla for letting us know so we could contact Dragonsteel. Get that changed. We... Uh, are doing it Monday the 20th at 7 p.m. We hope to see you there. Thank you so much for listening to us. We're so excited to meet everybody there. Uh, hope you have a great day and enjoy the rest of the episode. Hi, everyone. Hi. Welcome back to another episode of My Sister Made Me View It, covering... The Stormlight Archive by Brandon Sanderson, currently just just chipping away at the very start of part one of Oathbringer. Yes. Uh, my name is Megan, and I should be washing my hair. My name is Emily, and I should be unloading and loading the dishwasher. But instead... Instead... We're making a podcast. We're making a podcast! Nice. Good job. Very high. <laughs> Uh, Emily, before we get into the podcasting business, what are we doing this week? <gasps> I'm gonna go to California and hang out with Megan, and we're gonna go to Disneyland! And we're gonna record an episode live in the park. No, we're not gonna do that. <laughs> She's gonna go take me to see Rogers the Musical, which is something that I have always wanted my entire life. He's Harry freaking Rogers. Oh, wait. No, that's wrong. <laughs> wait a second. <laughs> also, before we start the business of podcasting, I have an update on one of our friends. Oh? oh so one of our friends hasn't been feeling well for a while, and they've been kind of, you know, flat on their back, not being able to do much. And I got a text from them the other day while I was hanging out with some Brandon Sanderson friends and our friend texts and she goes, okay, I give up. Can I borrow your copy of way of Kings? <laughs> like I can't come this very instant, but give me like three hours and I will be at your house with the copy of the book. And so, you know, if this friend gets really into the book, uh, I have a recommendation for a great podcast they could listen to. <laughs> It's called oh. Storm Pod with Sean and Jack. <laughs> well, the funny thing is, as I was telling Megan this, as I was driving to our friend's house and I was saying, oh, I'm so excited. And I'm like, how do I even explain, like, if she has any questions? And Meg's just like, easy. Tell her to skip the prelude, the prologue in chapter one. Start on page, like, 49. And Megan and I had a big old fight about that. Because okay. <laughs> who does Be that? Oh, listen. 
this was advice tailored very specifically for this friend, okay? This was the friend that got me into the Dresden Files, and her advice was start on book six. And I'm the sort of person that's like, no, I, I, seven? Really? Because six is the, the scandalous one on the porn I know, set. but the story in six is really good. I know, but she told me to skip that book completely. Okay. She said, go from five to seven. And I'm like, okay, because nothing happens in book six. Everything <laughs> happens in book six. <laughs> no, so anyway, and then when this friend was recommending me Discworld, uh, she was also like, start at this book. And I'm like, is it the first book? And she's like, no. And I'm like, ah. So I am someone who will read the prelude, the prologue, spend an hour on the map, and then get into chapter one. I, so, Emily, I'm not saying that as a general rule, all people should do this. <laughs> I'm saying for this specific friend, the Kaladin story we follow in book one really starts in chapter two, and that's where she should start. So, listeners, what are your thoughts? Write in. Tell us. Emily, we had a listener write in and ask us something. What did they ask? I missed they that. They asked if they could be added to the Discord. Do you not check the Miss Maybe email? I haven't played. I've been busy. I've been unemployed and doing other <laughs> I've been busy being unemployed listen i know i know what that busyness is like it's a it's the busyness where you're trying to catch up on everything in your life you've let drop while you've been working so Mm -hmm. i um i know you like adding people to the discord so i'm like this will make emily's day so so we will check the miss mivy email and add someone to the discord Awesome. Will do. Yay! Welcome to the Discord. We're so excited. One of the things Meg and I are going to do when we're together in California is talk about the logistics of maybe perhaps setting up a Patreon. Yeah. We don't know yet. We're we're testing a few things out. I'm a patron of several podcasts and everything, and they offer a bunch of fun stuff. And so Meg and I just have to decide the levels, kind of what we're going to offer. Yeah. I'm adamant at as we're starting out, no physical rewards at this point because I have an incredibly demanding job mm-hmm. and Emily is super job hunting right now mm-hmm. and just the design, the manufacture, the shipping of physical rewards right now are a no, but uh, hopefully, since we're planning to do this by the time we're releasing our Oathbringer stuff, now that we're on chapter eight, or sorry, episode eight of Oathbringer or four or whatever, I have not been keeping track. You guys can be like, <laughs> we know all about the Patreon. <laughs> um, also on our Discord, I've started a Magnus a group revolution. Listen. She's led so many people astray. It's frankly concerning. Would you calm down? You love the Magnus archives. You've listened to me recite all five seasons. Multiple times. <laughs> uh, so we just, this week's uh, assignment is up to episode 15, Lost John's Cave. <gasps> That's my nemesis. The one that made Emily quit listening. (laughs) Um, And so after we finish doing our podcast for the day, I'm going to go on to the the Magnus Archives channel on the Discord and type up all the trivia and connections between all the episodes and what it was like in the fandom when these episodes were coming out. Even though I wasn't in the fandom until the series was over because, all right, you guys, here's some Magnus Archives Megan lore. 
Uh, I started hearing about Magnus Archives 2019, 2020, and just when I had been severely burned by the ending of Game of Thrones and the final Star Wars movie, and I'm like, I'm not listening to anything unless I know it has a narratively satisfying ending. (laughs) And then when my friends finished it, they're like, listen to it. And I did, and I've been obsessed with it for three years, so... That, and that's not ending anytime soon. You also shared with me some really cool Magnus Archives TikTok news the other day. Your oh, TikTok. Yeah. I made a Magnus Archives storyboard and it just hit a million views this week. Yay! Megan, you're and so And Emily's cool. like, does TikTok send you stuff? Do they give you money? A plaque? I'm like, no. I just meant if they're just like, hey, congrats. Hey, you're on a radar. Hey. Nope. Nope. I've I've become eligible for the TikTok creators program, but that means I have to develop a like okay, here's my view. I don't like to make money off of fan art. So, if you ever see me doing a fan art project, if there's a way to disable ads on it, I do. If there's a way for me to disable um income on it, I do cuz I feel weird as a professional maker of movies and TV making money off of someone else's ideas. Mm-hmm. But I love doing fan art. So all the fan art you'll ever see from me is free. Except for, I guess, technically our Patreon. (laughs) But it's our own thoughts and feelings. I feel that's different. Plus, the number of Brandon Sanderson books I've personally bought and gifted to friends. I feel upset whenever we get from a Patreon. (laughs) But if I'm ever officially involved in the Stormlight TV adaptation... We're going to have to dump out of the podcast. (laughs) Well, okay. What we're going to do is, listen, listen, listen. You guys know, if a Stormlight adaptation happens, I feel a Stormlight adaptation is five to ten years away. Easy. But let's say amazing best case scenario that Dan and Brandon and Isaac call me on Wednesday, this Wednesday, and they're like, you're in the game. Put on your jersey. <laughs> Put on your Bridge Four uniform. Then I would say, give me a week. And I would take a week off of work. And Emily and I would do nothing but finish up Rhythm of War. <laughs> yep, yep. <laughs> so we'll see how Patreon goes. And hopefully now Patreon's thriving. And you guys can laugh at us for being worried. Well, being this blesses. week in Oathbringer, we read Chapter 12, Negotiations. Chapter 13, Chaperone, and Chapter 14, Squires Can't Capture. Evely, at first brush, I, and I believe you said, uh, when I asked you what did we read this week, you said we read the good chapters. Yes, we did. What was your impression of these chapters. episodes? I am in love with Oathbringer. I am in love with this. Like, it's not that I didn't like Words of Radiance, but I don't quite know how to put it into words. It had a different feel. It had a different feel than Way of Kings. It has a different feel than Oathbringer. It wasn't out of what you're looking at me like what? There's a cat chewing on my foot, just chewing on it and scratching <laughs> it. And, I, and I'm trying not to kick her. I'm trying to, like, carefully extricate myself. But the thing is, she'll bite and scratch and kick my foot, and then she'll just snuggle it for a while. <laughs> and that's cute. <laughs> you never know what and you're going to get. And that's the behavior I want to encourage. So, okay, keep going. So I bring that up only because 
Words of Radiance had a different feel. And I was just wondering what book three was going to feel like. And to me, book three feels more like book one. I don't know what the difference in writing. I can't really put my finger on it. I think, you know, I think it's because there's been so much prep and build up and we're getting the payoff. And so this book is a payoff book, which we've waited for a very long time. And now we get and it's very satisfying. So I have some thoughts about this. Okay. Um, and it is, book two is Something's Coming, and it's a countdown to something. Mm-hmm. And the whole time we're not sure, like, what's the Everstorm? What does it mean? It's going to be bad. Are we ready? Are we prepared? Mm-hmm. And book three is like, um, so, so book two was anticipatory, kind of like all the way through. Yeah. And also like. What's Kaladin going to choose with the honor thing and and what's going to happen when Zeth arrives and and all this sort of stuff. And book three is very much, we've accomplished a huge thing in book two. Mm -hmm. And now we got to get down to brass tacks and like, it's, it's logistics, it's planning, it's, uh, I, I, yeah. So I know that this is the sort of stuff you love in a book is the I love literally the politics stuff in this literally chapter. Literally the politics. 12, you're going to love. I love the aftermath stuff because a lot of times you get, I mean, give me a good action movie any day. Let's see how the heroes, you know, defeat the bad guy. Great. But they always end in, okay, it's time for happily ever after. I'm like, but life continues on. It keeps going. But the story ends there because... You've got all the exciting stuff. Like, I want to see Leia and Mon Mothma going at clearing the galaxy of the pockets of the Empire. I want to see, you know, how King, High King Peter, Susan, Edmund, and Lucy, like, live their lives in Narnia. I want to see all of this stuff. Listeners, tune in to After We Do All of Marvel, when we do all of the Star Wars old extended universe, which a lot of the books, starting with Truce at Bakura, cover yes! what the Rebellion did after they overcame the Empire. That's one of my favorite ones! <laughs> and so I think something in the Mistborn trilogy that could have been a lot Okay, so so book two in the Mistborn trilogy is a lot like we've accomplished something huge and now we're dealing with the aftermath. And I don't think it's as interesting as it's being presented in Oathbringer. So I see Oathbringer as a huge improvement over the second Mistborn book. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So yeah, in 12 negotiations, that's exactly what's happening. And again, this – I keep getting surprised by Brandon – because I'm just like, well, of course, this ha- all stuff has to happen eventually. And he's like, ta-da, it's the first it's sixth now. of the book. We're going to get into this where Dalinar is basically having multiple chat windows open and trying to negotiate with all these different countries about here's what we do next. And, you know, we will promise aid. We just need you to do these things. And it's just like, I, the reason I like politics so much. Oh, also plug for The Diplomat with Carrie Russell on Netflix. Binged the first seven episodes in one day. Could not get enough of it. Amazing. Amazing. I enjoy watching people smarter than me show their smarts off. I'm just, I'm just in awe of that. And so that's kind of what I'm getting from 
Dalinar here and Navani. And I mean, they're, they're not being nefarious. They're not being sneaky, but they are, they are trying to be the first people. I'm going to say out the gate. I don't mean the oath gate. I just, well, literally, I guess they are. Um, they're trying to jump in and take charge. And it kind of ends up, again, highlighting the issue that Delinar has with control in this chapter as well, which was so fun to read. And it was so fun to see Elikar's point of view. Before we get into that, okay, can you read me the epigraph for 12? Oh, <laughs> I would love to. It says, I ask not that you forgive me, nor that you even understand. From Oathbringer Preface. And this is the your theory. This is the Yasna book. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, what Which is she asking? Where is she? Where is she? Where is she? She is having a Do fun, life changing road wait trip with Wit until the until the epilogue in this one again. Before I see her, I will be very upset, Megan. I will be very upset. Well, Rayfo. <laughs> okay, so Dalinar's chatting with the Storm Father. Mm-hmm. And he's looking out, and again, okay, sounds like I'm fawning over Brandon Sanderson. I am a little bit, but we talked about this actually in book one, Way of Kings, where when a character describes the room, they describe it in a way that fits the character. Like Kaladin going through the war camps for the first time, at least the the Sadius's war camp for the first time. He's looking at what is familiar. And so one, we learn about the character. Two, we learn about the settings. Uh, when Shalon sees, sees things, sees buildings, she sees it as like, what is the architecture? How was this designed? Like she sees it through her artist's eye. And so as Dalinar is looking through this room, we are seeing it through a soldier's eye, through a general's eye, through a king's eye almost, even though he's not supposed to be king. But but you're not king. <laughs> and so he's he's looking through the windows and he's commenting on the windows, like windows from floor to ceiling. How, why would someone make this window be put here? Glasses brittle. It's facing the storm. But again, we're above the storm. So I guess that's a moot point. And, and he's seeing it as like the radiance would see it, I guess. Or he's, he's picturing like... What will happen? Oh, we find out like all the seats in this like amphitheater they're in have little pedestals for the radiant spread. Ah, it's so cute. Uh, he is preparing for a span read conversation mm-hmm. with a character that we know. We Emily, who's on the other side of the span read? It is. It's not Gaz. What's his name? Gox is what Gox calls him. That's right. His name doesn't actually show up, but we know who it is. It's the Emperor of Azish. And it's so funny. I want to go live in Azish. If I were to visit this Azir. world, Azir. I want to go visit Azir. If I were to live in this world. Azirona. I would go to Azirona. Because, like, at one point, they're talking about Navani and Dalinar and everyone are talking about this new emperor. And they're like, they say he he raised a kid from the dead. And everyone's just like, he didn't, but they had to make something up to prove he was of divine heritage. I'm like, oh. And someone else is like, oh, but the Azish, that's not like them to make something up. Mm-hmm. And Navani's like, well, as long as they can find someone to sign the witness affidavit. 
Like, yeah, as long as all yeah. the paperwork's in order. And so, even though we have seen with our own eyes the incredible things that Radiance can do, they're like, oh, that's not real. Raising someone from the dead is not real. And I'm like, <laughs> there's magic all around you. There's more than one type of magic on Roshar, Megan. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so they're doing, like, this delicate back-and-forth dance in their conversation. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure it's not Gox leading the conversation. Just saying that. This young kid who has no political training, this is not his voice that's coming across the span read. Just throwing that out there. Because it's all mm-hmm. very polite it's this dance where they're not really agreeing to anything and not really addressing the questions that are being thrown at him it's definitely uh it's it's definitely somebody else speaking through this fan read as the emperor which makes sense i mean like the the leaders uh have advisors and i mean we know of so many stories where the advisors try and get the power behind the throne that you know kind of try and lead the king where they want to go and you know the real power is behind the throne etc cetera, etc cetera. and so i'm just kind of waiting for i'm kind of waiting for the time where gox is going to come up with a solution that no one else could have thought of because he's one wasn't born born royalty and two he sees things in a different light and it's kind of like that thing is like as long as no one tells you it's impossible you don't know something's impossible and so you just do it so so far they're asking they're trying to get permission to open up the portal and Mm -hmm. transport from your to azir and the azish are like it's broken you can't come so bad sorry too sad and Navani's like, okay, but no, it's not broken. Like it's it's a monument in the middle of the city. And so they're they're while they're trying a different tactic, Dalinar's like, okay, I'll send you all the information we have from fighting the Parshendi. Uh, what have the changed parchment been doing? And Emily, what strange behavior have the storm forms exhibited in Azir? They stole their ships. They bust uh Oh, yes, is that the wrong I was one? thinking first that the Voidbringers are exchanging contracts with the Aesish. Oh, that's right. Okay, I'm going to jump ahead a very, very tiny bit because we meet a group of Parshendi. Kaladin is kind of spying on them. And one of them one of them makes some sort of comment about like, hey, I, I do know how to play this game because when I was like, sitting there serving drinks like I learned everything about this game and so that is just going to be so fascinating if all the storm forms come together bringing a bit of culture from every single country and then like I don't know if they're gonna change their culture or if that's what they do they go and they're like information gatherers and bring them back but like they're communicating with each culture in a way that they understand and so yeah contracts well because they've been enslaved and obviously not given the right to travel unless they were sold to someone else in another nation mm-hmm. so it's it's like of course they've they've learned from where they've been enslaved and the humans are now having to deal with 
kind of the ramifications of what they've been doing for like the last few centuries of a but, quite uh, a quite brilliant quite aware culture that i think it's really funny if they're using if they're using like azish culture against their masters i think it's hilarious yeah, because these contracts have detailed demands with outrageous stipulations mm-hmm. but they don't tell us what they are do they i don't think so not yet okay uh, the Azish send a certification that the oath gate is broken. Mm-hmm. Like a certificate of authenticity, but it's a yeah. certificate of brokenness. Anyway, Dalinar's like, no, listen, listen, we misspoke. Let's try again. Let's try a different tactic. But Azir is like, do you know what? No, we are, we are done talking about this and we're cutting off communications. Well, here's the thing. Dalinar's so dumb. And I mean that hey. with love. All the love I have in my heart for Delinar. Hey. You know I love Delinar. But it's so it's so fascinating. Because Alethi, Alaskar, they are a world power. And they're just like, of course we're going to come in and help you. Of course any other smaller country is going to be like, mm, I we don't really want your soldiers in our city because like they're not just going to invite in someone that they've probably warred with in the past who is much stronger than them, who has way more firepower, who, you know, I don't know if everyone knows about the Radiance coming back or whatever, but I'm sure there's rumors that, you know, Alethkar has them. Like that puts Alethkar, Alethkar got to Eurythiru first, so they own yeah. the seat of power in the the world, the world seat of power. And Delinar's like, why don't, why doesn't anyone trust us? Why doesn't anyone want us to come hang out with them? Mm-hmm. No country is going to invite enemy soldiers in just like, here, we'll just open the gates and come on in and we're sure everything's going to be fine. We're sure yeah, you're going to be This would be like America announcing, hey, Russia, hey, China, hey, every nation that we've meddled with before, mm-hmm. we can now teleport huge numbers of troops into the middle of your city. Invite us in. We promise not to drink your blood. Yes, exactly. <laughs> and so like, um, we can see that Dalinar is coming from like a noble, you know, a noble place but like no one's gonna believe him yeah and when you have a good man in power monarchy works but those are so rare and like the way that the ruling classes are set up is there uh the privilege is weighted towards horrible people who will do horrible things to match their ends like dalinar was best friends with Sadius for years and years and years. And we've seen how, like, wanton Sadius is with life. And, like, the Dalinar we know now is a very recent change from the Dalinar of years past. And everyone across the world knows of the Blackthorn and how vicious he was. Also, Dalinar's not king, but he's speaking as if he was. So that's just another reason for them to be like, he's taken over the throne. It must have been a hostile takeover or whatever. Like, it's just yeah. another point against him. Well, we we saw in one of the interludes in the last book that they're like, oh, the Blackthorn, the warlord, is ruling Alethkar, and Elokar is nothing. Yeah. Which, that comes up in this chapter, and it's great. 
So the talks with his ear close. And now we start talking with Queen Fen of Thalen. I love Thaliner. her. She is also one of my new favorite people. Because you find out that, like, if she speaks freely to you, that is great news. But as soon as she reverts back to what Navani calls queen speak, Navani is just like, dang it, we lost her somewhere. But, like, Queen Fen is awesome. I love her. I have never physically met her, but I'm on her team. So this is the nation that had their ships stolen. This is the one. Okay. Yeah. Dalinar is realizing, okay, we don't. We don't know as much about the Parshendi as the Voidbringers as we thought. He starts almost calling them exclusively Voidbringers at this point. Mm-hmm. It's it's the Thalens that are that are getting the contracts. No, it's the Azish that are getting contracts. It's the Thalens who had their ships stolen. Got it. Got it. Okay. I'm. I apologize. Um. It's it's like you mentioned that the. Voidbringers who were enslaved by these nations know how to talk to their enslavers. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, or know, like, obviously the the Parshmen who were in, enslaved by the Thalans would have worked on ships and in ports and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so they would be able to take the vessels and sail them. Mm-hmm. The Queen also brings up some interesting points because Dalinar keeps saying, like, he doesn't say, you owe us because we warned you. He does not say that. But that is definitely what is implied of, like, because Dalinar brings it up multiple times of, like, hey, we sent you warnings about the storm coming the wrong way. And with the expectation of, aren't you grateful we did that? We, you know, what what will you give us in return? Even though that's not really what he's asking. That's kind of how it comes across. And Fen is just, like, you will excuse us for not being able to, like, drop everything and fix something that, like, we had hours to prepare for or something like that. Like, she kind of, like, does a reality check, I felt like, to Dalinar yeah. of just, like, okay, great, you warned us. That didn't do us a lot of good, you know? Yeah. Dalinar yeah. invites her to this grand conference of kings, and she's like, I'm sorry, I don't have time for this. I'm trying to rebuild my shattered city, so let me know what you boys come up with, but I'm not I'm not going. Mm-hmm. And there's this undercurrent of frustration from Dalinar. Again, perfect. It's a great, it's a great character thing. Because he's just like, I'm right. Why doesn't everyone see that? And why doesn't everyone do what I say to do? Even though that's not what he's saying, saying. Um, I just love his confusion. It's like this tiny bit of almost innocence for Dalinar of just like, but I'm right. And so everyone should just do what I say. Like, that's how he's been raised his whole life. That's what he's experienced his whole life. Mm -hmm. And again, this will come up when... Elokar comes and has a conversation with Dalinar because Dalinar starts assuming things right off the bat as as Elokar and Dalinar are talking. So Dalinar realizes that he needs allies, not more subjects. Mm-hmm. So he could secretly send someone to open the gate so he could invade, but he's like, I don't, I don't need that. I don't need that. Yeah. Um, and so instead, he's like, You can keep considering my offer of troops. But, and then he starts telling her about how to spot a radiant. And he says, you could have your own radiant open the gate. Mm-hmm. Yep. 
he's like if i give you this inf- he's he's assuming if he gives information his good intentions will be uh confirmed and yeah. everyone else is like ah in the room they're like ah don't give away information for free and he's like we're kind of past that if you haven't noticed mm-hmm and in the first two books, you and I have talked a lot about, is it better to do something the quick way that causes more harm instantly, but is better in the long run? Mm-hmm. Or is it better to try a slower route that eases suffering while we slowly transition to a new way, even though the old way is still causing harm? Yeah. So I think Dalinar is really trying to do the slow way right mm-hmm. now. Yep. Because the the quick fix is killing everybody now to have power later. Mm-hmm. Um, but he has, in recent years, come to realize that that is not always the way to do it. Mm-hmm. Unlike Taravangian. That's growth. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> growth. Is this a special enough occasion to bring out the Elokar voice? No. <laughs> oh, no. Elokar is doing fantastic in this scene. He is standing up for himself up against the Blackthorn and... Who has usurped his throne. Yeah. I, I love this I love how Zaladar's like, why do you think they refuse you? Mm, do you think that... Do they think they're going to usurp them too? And at this moment, all of the guards are like, we have somewhere else to be. <laughs> and they all leave. Because so Elokar, Elokar comes in and has basically said, hey... I'm abdicating. Dalinar, you can have this. You can be high king over everyone. And he's negotiating with his uncle to, like, keep power for himself, you know, but still giving Dalinar the power that, quote, unquote, Dalinar wants. And um, Navani is just like, no, 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 (laughs) no. Yeah. And Elokar is like, I'm not your king. And so he says... Oh, I, I really love this scene. This is a great moment for Elokar. And I think this is the best solution that could still give Dalinar what he really wants. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it is, I'm king of Alethkar and you are high king of Urethiru. Mm-hmm. And Dalinar's like, I, de- I, I, I didn't want this. And Elokar's like, mm, didn't you? Didn't you? Didn't you? Uh, you sure about that? You sure then, about that? <laughs> and the Daladar's like, you can't just sweep into the room, shout a few words, and say, you know, I declare bankruptcy. I was just going to say that. <laughs> but Elokar's like, well, I already said the words, and there were already witnesses, and Navani's just like, everyone in this room is will forget what just happened here. Like, I, I love... This is such a small thing, but I love that, you know, Elokar's like, I'm trying to do everything right. Like, I did it before witnesses. I said the words. I did all these things. And people still steamroll over him. And they're like, that didn't really happen. You're still king. You can't get out of that this easy. He's like, I'm not king. It's Dalinar. Like, Elokar gets it. Like, he kind of got painted as like this unaware fop of a king. But he really, like... He grew up in the palace. He can't be all dumb, you know. He might be mostly he might dumb, be. but he's not all dumb. Yeah, and he's been trying. He's been trying to learn really hard. So it's agreed that Elokar will take a strike team to the capital city of Kolinar to try and reinstate the Oathgate there. 
he I found this very interesting. He says we can do it if we have the hero with us. And Delaner's like, what are you talking about? And he's like, the bridge. I don't know if he calls him Bridgeman or Bridge Boy, but he does not the say Bridgeman. Ka- he does not say the Kaladin's soldier. name. The whole the whole thing. He just calls him the hero, the soldier, the Bridgeman. Yes. He might not know Kaladin's <laughs> name. <laughs> he might not. <laughs> okay, listeners, write in, tell us. Has anyone ever said Kaladin while they're in the room with Elokar? Or do they just call him Bridgman or Captain? Mm. Elokar might not know Kaladin's <laughs> name. <laughs> oh. But yeah, he... Um, it's so interesting. Okay, I just said... I just said Elokar can't be all dumb um, because everyone's concerned because there's no communication coming out of Alethkar. And Elokar is just like, well, Aesudan is there. If the rioting is still happening, she's fighting against it. Like, he's 100% confirmed. His wife is there upholding the honor of Alethkar, fighting against the rebels, all of these things. But the next paragraph says that wasn't what the reports before they'd cut off had suggested to Dalinar. If anything, the queen was the cause of the riots. And so I don't know if Elokar just completely missed that little, that little bit of information or if he's choosing not to believe it. Like for me, Elokar writes writes his own story over what's going on where he's just like i don't know it's just and, and again i don't know if no one just if no one told him because dalinar's the one in charge and so dalinar's the one that gets the reports uh-huh. um i don't know if someone has flat out told elokar and he's like you're a big fat liar my wife would never do that my secret wife is better than that so i don't know Well, the day is not all lost because there is one king who writes back and says, hey, we've got a radiant. We'll come to you. Tell us how to get to your ethereal and we'll come there. What do you say, Emily? Who's on our side definitely with no ulterior motive? No ulterior motives. The king of Yakovid, a.k.a. Teravangian, a.k.a. Tangerine. The words still warmed Dalinar. Someone had listened. Someone was willing to join him. Bless this man. Bless him. I love this. If Dalinar failed everywhere else, at least he would have King Taravangian on his side. This is so good. I love it because, again, as the reader, you're just like, no! But Delinar can't hear us over the sound of him patting himself on the back over being <laughs> such a good radiant. Chapter 13, Chaperone, has a joke in it that I was certain was going to get spoiled for you at Dragonsteel Con because everybody loves this joke. And thankfully, I didn't see any shirts with it on it. Is and it the no mating? No mating. Yes, I, <laughs> I figured that out. Okay, so Chapter 13, Chaperone, I... Ask only that you read or listen to these words from Oathbringer Preface. And again, maybe I'm reading way too much into it, but where she says read or listen, I'm still mm-hmm. assuming it's Yasna. She's covering mm-hmm. both genders because yeah. the women can read, men have to listen. Yeah. I I like that whoever's it's, writing this is aware of we that. Could, we could say it's, it's Yasna until proven otherwise. Okay. Sounds good. 
So Shalon has been moved to new rooms in Sabariel's section. Mm-hmm. She says partly because there's a balcony. Now, I would like to submit that a large unspoken part of why she asked to move is Pattern picked out rooms for her that would specifically trigger her flashbacks and her memories. I am still upset at Pattern, but I understand, again, why. But I'm, I'm, I just, I don't like it. I didn't like it then. I don't like it now. This is so funny because... I'm the sort of reader that's upset with Shalon. <laughs> so do you know what? The, now we've got now we've got two POVs on our podcast. Mm-hmm. And I found this interesting because I kept waiting because end of end of words of radiance, Shalon remembers, and she had warned Pattern that if she remembered, she may have gone, she may go catatonic. She may not speak at all. And so we're 140 pages plus into this book, and this is the first time we've seen Shalon speak, but it is not the first time that we have seen Shalon herself. Mm-hmm. And so she has been more quiet than usual. And so I I actually thought as I was reading this chapter that we were not going to hear Shalon speak for a good portion of this book, but that she would speak as Veil because the chapter starts out and she's been practicing her Veil disguise because she can't Mm -hmm. she's like i may just need to like pull this out of thin air at one point and i can't just like wait and stop study the drawing and then change myself into veil and so she was speaking as veil and then adolin came along and messed up my whole theory because she takes off her veil disguise and speaks as shallan even though like it's still she's still like I have a secret, and it's the secret that I killed my mom, and I killed my dad, and I just can't think about that right now, even though I am actively, physically remembering it. So, in the books by Dan Wells, I am not a serial killer. Mm-hmm. Uh, the main character uh, is has serial killer tendencies, and he's given himself a list of habits and rules that prevent him from falling into, you know stalking someone or following them or like feeling like he wants to hurt people yeah and because of the events of the first book and what he has to do he kind of breaks all the rules for himself in order to secure a greater good Mm -hmm. and in the second book mr monster he is having such a hard time getting those dangerous habits back under control Mm -hmm. and to the point where he's like the best part of a series. Yeah, he's like, maybe, maybe I don't have to go back to the way it was. Maybe I can do these bad things. Like, maybe I can have these bad habits without doing bad things. And I'm feeling like Shalon, well, Shalon is not a serial killer. I mean, <laughs> she How, has okay, no, killed no, no. two people. Stop. How but many bodies does it take before one is considered a serial killer? I'm going to say three. Now, she is a, she is a, now, okay, okay, so yeah, Vale, I get that. Shalon has killed in self-defense three times. Okay, I get that that's different, I suppose. And you know what? It's not her fault that the <laughs> authority figures in her life keep trying to kill you her, mean okay? She didn't want to, but she felt that she had to. <laughs> so put up Shalad, chalk her up to maybe a serial killer no listen for it to be serial killings 
I feel what does there the needs FBI to be say? a consistent a consistent mode of murder, a specific signature, and I don't, I don't think she has that. Like no. she she killed her mom in self defense with her shard blade. Uh huh. Um, and then she killed dad with poisoning slash strangling. Mm-hmm. And then she once again killed Tin self-defense with a gun. I'm sorry, a shard blade. <laughs> um, because we don't we don't call Kaladin a serial killer for fighting in a war. We don't call Adolin a serial killer for stabbing He's only Zaggis. killed one person like that. <laughs> yeah, like, like that. But listen, everybody in these books... Killing so far is seen as an acceptable way to solve a problem. There you go. <laughs> so <laughs> it's not socially unacceptable to kill people. So murder's not in wrong. These books. Now, if anyone's a serial killer, <laughs> it's Zeth because he does have a signature wearing the white clothes. But to be fair, that's something other people have put on him. Oh, so we have met a serial killer in this in these books. It's the we have. it's the assassin that Yasna hires that stabs yes. people's eyes out after she but stabbed them with a shard blade. Is an assassin a serial killer? I w- oh, there is a distinction. There, there would is be, a distinction. Uh-huh. There are there are serial killers who are like I should get paid for this and become assassins. But the reason why that name that one. Uh, in elementary, that one guy who dropped right. air conditioner on a person and right. killed someone else with bees. Okay. There you go. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, uh, oh gosh, I lost it. I'm okay, so no, sorry. The reason why the assassin that Yasna hired stabbed people's eyes out, why she became an enucleator, is because she killed people with a shard with weapon. With a shard blade, yeah. And-, and so she was only doing that to hide what she's done. So people think she's a serial killer because her killings do have a specific signature. However, she's an assassin for pay that only fakes a signature in order to hide how she kills people. Layers upon layers upon layers. So you know what? Um, It's very complicated, the difference between a mass murderer and a serial killer. If anything, Shalon is a, I'm going to call her a multi-murderer. Okay. I don't think she's a serial killer at this point. No. Maybe things change down the road. <laughs> Ooh. And maybe they don't. <laughs> Brave Um So, Emily, tell us about the rom-com. Oh, my gosh. It's adorable. It's super cute. And it's making me so nervous. It's making me extremely nervous. Okay. So, I was hanging out with some Brandon Sanders and friends last week. And... They've read this all is the friends books. who friends who know Brandon Sanderson, not multiple Brandons right. Sanderson. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't a paradox. It wasn't. <laughs> um, and they've all read the books, and they know where I am in the books. And so they were very, very careful not to spoil anything. But they were just like, "Who's your favorite character so far?" And, and it was so fun because I'm just like, "Oh, it's Adolin. He's my favorite character. I love him so much." And they were like, "So, how do you feel about?" Because they're like, I remember when I first read, like, where I was in the books where you are now. How do you feel about the hints of, like, maybe it's going to be Kaladin and Shallan? 
rather than Adolin Enchilada. I'm like, I hate it. Absolutely. I do not want this. If this happens, I will flip a table. And they're like, okay, cool. And they were like, straight face, didn't give anything away. But they're just like, I was worried at this point in the books. I'm like, I'm worried at this point in the books. I I just want Adolin to have all the good things in the, in, in the world. And if Shalon breaks his heart, I will not forgive her. And we will not be friends. You're gonna break up with me if Shalon is breaks up no, with no, Adolin. No, 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 no. Me oh, and you and Shalon will not be friends. Okay, I was like, <laughs> okay, That's what am I getting right back? Extreme POV, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Because this is so cute in here. Someone knocks on the door while Shalon's in her under gown, and she's like, "Oh, it's Polona. Polona always brings me my meals at this time." And she says, "Come," and guess who enters her apartment? It's Adolin. With a plate full of food, because they're going to have a date together. And the funny thing is, I, okay, I find this so funny. It's the whole safe hand thing where Tin was just like, you guys are so weird about this. And it's something that, you know, Shalon has grown up with her whole life. But the idea that her left hand is bare, it's like, it's like Adolin has walked in on her naked. Like, all the really important bits are covered, but her hand is, like, can be seen by anyone. And it's just, like, the worst thing that could have happened at that moment. So I read this article years ago of, like, in these specific countries, if you, and I don't know where I read this article, if you step into a woman's room and she's naked, here's the parts she covers first in this country. Here's the part she covers first in this country. And, like... There are some places, like, you know, I think especially European countries where, like, topless beaches are a thing, where they would bend down to cover their private parts instead. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there are some places that will really try and cover the chest. And then here we have Shalon, who's like, I gotta cover my safe hand. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but then as Shalon's getting dressed super fast, we have some fun world building about Alethi undergarments. So Shalon mm-hmm. wears this undergown. Um... She puts on, because she's so embarrassed, she puts on a glove, then a safe pouch, then her dress. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then she says she didn't have the presence of mind to put on her bodice vest first. Uh, not that she really needed one anyway. So she's not put on her bra. She's just kicked her bra underneath the blanket <laughs> instead. I am someone who needs a good brassiere. Multiple. I feel to be comfortable <laughs> in front of people. Okay, can we read can we read the Adel and Shalon conversation? Yes. Who would you like to play? Uh I'll be Adolin. Okay, start with in my defense. In my defense, you did invite me in. I thought you were Polona. You know, you can check to see who is at your door. Don't make this my fault. You're the one slipping into young ladies' bedrooms practically unannounced. I knocked! The knock was feminine. It was Shalon. Did you knock with one hand or two? I'm carrying a storming platter of food for you, by the way. Of course the knock was one-handed. And seriously, who knocks with two? It was quite feminine then. I'd have thought imitating a woman to catch a glimpse of a young lady in her undergarments was beneath you, Adolin Colin. Oh, for damnation's sake, Shalon, can I come in now? And just so we're clear, I'm a man and your betrothed. My name is Adolin Kalin. I was born under the sign of the nine. I have a birthmark on the back of my left thigh, and I had crab curry for breakfast. Anything else you need to know? Back of your left thigh, eh? 
What's a girl gotta do to get a glimpse of that? Knock like a man, apparently. <laughs> nice. They're so cute together! They're, they're talking and they're chatting, um, and Shalon is admiring his physique and wondering what the birthmark on the back of his thigh looks like. Hey, I want to talk about the sign of nine. Okay, go for it. Uh, I think it's, I'm going to guess a zodiac. You know, mm-hmm. sign of one, sign of two, sign of nine. I understand that their months are not the same as our months, but if they were, that's a September birthday. That is a September birthday. However, Emily, I would like to point out that nine is a bad number in these books. I'm I'm in big trouble then. And yeah, <laughs> <laughs> Emily, when's your birthday? It's September 9th, nine nine. The Whoops. double ninth festival. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry, I derailed you. You were talking about the sign of the yeah. nine so zodiac. Brandon could have picked any number between one and ten, mm-hmm. and he chose nine. Is he born that, under a bad moon? Yeah, compels me. Compels <laughs> me. Adolin is literally born under a bad sign, and he's adorable for it. So Adolin finally gets to come into the room, and Shalon is smitten by his smile. He liked her, and he brought her food. Mm-hmm. And so they're they're eating together. I wanna. I'm gonna order. I'm gonna order food right now. Okay. <laughs> what are you gonna order? I'm gonna get my favorite Nirvana tofu and cheese naan. Mm. Anyway, keep keep going. Um. So they're sitting eating, and both of them are kind of like, ah, this might not be like the most proprietous thing. In the world, even though, like, neither of us have any inclinations of doing anything improper. And so Shalon calls out Pattern and formally introduces Pattern and Adolin. And Adolin's just like, oh, a Shalon spread. I'm like, Adolin, you're so cute and so dumb and so sweet and I love you very much. And Shalon shows off a little bit uh, with, with Adolin and, like, shows off, like, hey, here's a little figurine I made of you, like made out of light and he's just like oh my gosh we should like why are you hiding this pretending that you're like a different order like he's i'm not gonna say he's he's dumb because that's that's the exact same question i would ask is just like why aren't we like telling people you're a light weaver instead of whatever else we're telling them we're kind of lying to people and she says um well I think it might give us an edge because she's thinking if she needs to pull on a disguise or she needs to do something, she doesn't want people on the lookout for what she can do. She wants to keep that a secret. And she says, sometimes secrets are important. Adolin nodded slowly. Yeah. Yeah, they are. But I'm just like, oh, Adolin killed, killed uh, Sadius. Yeah, secrets are important, buddy. Don't tell anybody you killed Sadius. Yep. But um, uh, he encourages her to try some of his food, which is spicy. And Shalon reacts like a perfectly normal person Shalon would. Shalon reacts like every redhead I'm related to. <laughs> uh, spicy! What? Oh, I don't like it! <laughs> Spit it out! <laughs> it's, I can't get away from it! Hmm. I had... The spicy, crispy chicken sandwich that killed you the other day. <laughs> and it was still delicious. Right now, the meme that's going around the internet currently is uh, Jennifer Lawrence on the Hot Wing show of like, what do you mean? What do you mean? What do you mean? 
you know. And that's just me all the time when it comes to spicy stuff. Like, okay. Like, I'll watch those shows and I'm just like, I, if, if I were a celebrity and I was invited to a show like that, my agent would just have to kindly excuse me from doing that because I would fall on the floor and just be dead. I, if I ever went on Hot Ones, um, I would have to, like, straight up at the beginning be like, I am going to cry. I'm just, I'm going to cry. I'm going to do this, but I'm going to cry probably very, very early. (laughs) And I'm going to need a number of wet towels for my hands because what I'm afraid of is I will accidentally touch my face or my eye. Oh, uh, so Adolin and Shalad's scene is very cute and very wonderful. And there's a moment there that I want to flag where she's like, this would be inappropriate if we are alone. Fortunately, we are not. And then Adolin says, your ego doesn't count as a separate person, Shalon. <laughs> and she's like, <gasps> he likes me. <laughs> hmm. And it was so satisfying to hear someone compliment her confidence because this this is literally something Shalon's been working on, is mm-hmm. pretending to be more confident. Yeah. Yasna's last wisdom to her. Now, she doesn't know Yasna's alive, but we do. <laughs> so we could be like, yeah, maybe Yasna will be super proud of you too. We'll see. Now, here's the thing. She has mentioned that – she mentions here that she is now not able to re-forget the death of her mother. Yeah, it's there in, like, Technicolor, this division, everything. This reminds me of the site in Dresden Files where when you see something with your, like, your wizard capital S site, you never forget it. And the memory is as strong as it ever was. Mm-hmm. Same as it ever was. <laughs> and so Shalon is feeling this because she spoke the death of her mother as a truth for her Lightweaver ideals, which just sticks it on there permanent. Yep. Yep. Anyway, so instead, she introduces Pattern to Adolin. I remember when you were like, is Syl a Kaladin spread? He meets Pattern and is like, is this a Shalon spread? <laughs> I already talked about that. When I was ordering my food, probably. (laughs) (laughs) Fine. Keep going. Talk more. You know what you're doing. We're three books in. You're like 75% a Stormlight expert. You go. All I said was it was super cute that he was like, it's a Shalon spread. But she's put Pattern in charge of chaperoning them. And Pattern's like, I don't know what that is. And he's just, I'm so mad at him, but he's just so cute and so sweet. And finally, he like is so slow on the uptake, but he's just like... Oh, like this is like 20 minutes in their conversation. He just jumps in and he's just like, oh, I was supposed to keep you guys from mating. Oh, and he goes on and on and on and on. And Shalon is just like, I'm going to die. Uh, And that's just what's going to happen. And Patter's just like, I got this. No mating. No mating anybody. And then he's like super pleased with himself and then just kind of like sits and watches them. (laughs) Okay, in my defense, 
I think you skipped to the end of the spicy stuff in the conversation before I'd finished saying everything I wanted to say about the beginning of the conversation. So sorry. Please, you say your thing. No, I did. And then you made fun of me. <laughs> I'm sorry. All right. Well, Adolin gets her a few books and Shalon's like, do you even know what a book is? And he's like, hey. Yeah, come on, Shalon. That's so mean. I've got depth. I kill people. <laughs> I I say this. I don't mean this, but I'm gonna say it anyway. I'm so excited to find for them to find out that both of them have murdered other people. Like I hope it will bring them closer together. You know, the way that Eli and Sadius were close. You know? Yeah. All right. I have everything said that I wanted to say about that chapter. Do you have anything more you want to say about that chapter? I do. Just quickly at the end, as, as things are wrapping up, Adolin brings up the fact, like, if you want to move forward with the betrothal. And Shalon panics, and she's like, if? Like, why not? You know, she thought this whole date thing had been going well. And he brings up the fact, well, you're a radiant. You're like a half-divine being from mythology. And all along, I was thinking we were giving you a favorable match. And he's just like, I just think I'm going to mess this up somehow. And Shalon brings up the fact she's like, no, 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 no. You messed up all the other relationships you had, which was a good thing because without that, we wouldn't be here together. And so she's telling him, you messing stuff up was exactly what you were supposed to do. So you really didn't mess up. Like, you did exactly. Anyways, it's just, it's really, really cute. Um, and they have a kiss, and they kiss, and it's so cute. I love them. That's I'm all. so happy that your ship is sailing. They're That's such sailing. a good feeling. It is. It's wonderful. <laughs> Anyways. Okay, at the end, she says... Let's look at this notebook of yours and see what it says about our murderer. Adolin, don't let Shalon help you solve the murder that you committed. If that's what she's talking right. about, don't do it. But maybe she can just help him solve the other murder and then we can just pin the blame on whoever killed the second guy. There we go. I like that. Well, let's jump into 14 Squires Can't Capture. Uh, give me the epigraph, please. In this record, I hold nothing back. I will try not to shy away from difficult topics or paint myself in a dishonestly heroic light. From Oathbringer Preface. So, maybe the Book of Oathbringer is Yasna documenting her journey back with wit. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, this is, this is the super, super short chapter that mm-hmm. I was remembering from our reading. So, Kaladin finally comes across a group of Voidbringers. And Emily, what are they doing? They're playing cards. They're having a rest. They're, they've got one person standing guard. And he's wondering, he's like, this has to just be a decoy. Because he is fully prepared to come across these bloodthirsty individuals who will stop at nothing to destroy the world. And then he's like, they have one guard. I don't, like... That's got to be a decoy. That can't be the only person there watching out for the camp. Because it's drizzly mm-hmm. and rainy, and they have these, they have cards, but they're laminated cards. Like, like nice ones. Because during because the weeping, in this world, mm-hmm, it rains. It rains a lot. And so, my question was, these are 
the storm form, right? These aren't the ones that escaped from Eshenai's camp and left. No, these are these are not the ones led by Thud, my dude. Okay. These are uh, parchment who were enslaved by Alethi here, mm-hmm. and then the change came over them, and they've left. They've they've gone, um, and they talk about that. Like, yeah, when when we were you know enslaved, I used to sit and watch them play cards all the time. Why can't I remember mm-hmm. what? Why can't I remember what it was about? Mm-hmm. Why can't I remember all the rules? Now, Emily, as Kaladin is coming to his realization that. I think we're wrong about all of this. Mm-hmm. Uh, something calls an alarm. What is it? It's a spren. Uh, it's uh, a spren. And it is a glowing yellow ribbon, a streak of light in the dim afternoon shade. He's there, the shrill voice said. You're being watched beneath those shrubs. And uh, he realizes, you know, because everyone, all the all the uh, parchment jump up, grab their weapons, they're ready to attack, and Kaladin, again, he's the soldier. This is what he notices, AA++ Brandon Sanderson. He notices that these parchmen are holding the weapons like they're not quite sure what to do with them. He'd seen men hold weapons like that many times before. Most recently, he'd seen it inside the chasms when training the bridgemen. These were no warriors. And so he just goes, actually, you know what? I surrender. Like... He could have beaten them easily and killed them easily. But I love that Kaladin has curiosity, at least about what's going on. Like, he's out here to find answers. He's not here to take revenge and, you know, cut a bloody murderous swath across the countryside. Mm-hmm. He's a hero. Mm-hmm. Who is your favorite fearless hero? All right. Well, Wait. let's talk about... Oh. We need to talk about this. No, we don't. We don't? Nope. Not this? Nope, not that. Not this picture that looks so horrible in the... We can't talk about it because it's part of what happens in the next chapter. Oh, no. So okay. don't... You never saw that. I watched it to Shalon and forget that picture exists until okay. we record now. Okay, I can do that. All right, give me the who are the heralds on top of chapter 12, negotiations. Uh, for negotiations, it is Yezrian and Yezrian. There are double Yezrians on this, um, on this chapter. Uh, and typically we do see Yezrian in Kaladin chapters because Yezrian is the lead of the... Windrunners. However, mm-hmm. Yezrian, as king of the heralds, uh, is also around because um, we got two kings in this chapter. We got lots <laughs> of kings in this chapter. Uh, but I'm specifically Elokar giving up power to Dalinar, I think, is part of it. And Dalinar being like, how do I be a king after spending my life as a despot? Okay, how about... 13, Chaperone. It's the bald dude with the beard. Is this Ishar? This is Ishar. Hey! What does and he stand he for? he is the herald of the... Come on, Meg, you can do it. Of the Bondsmiths. So this is technically uh, the lead of Dalinar's order. Mm-hmm. However, um, Ishar's attributes is about being pious and about being guiding. Mm-hmm. And I 
would like to say that Shalon preserving her modesty is the <laughs> piety of Ishar in this chapter. All right. Sorry, I should let I should let you guess what the heralds mean <laughs> more than I do. But this Okay, could... chapter fifteen, brightness This nope. is the helmeted Nope, chapter fourteen. <laughs> Squires can't capture that this one. is Talenalat, the helmeted guy. Mm-hmm. And he's the soldier. He gives me I don't know why. I don't know why. He gives me very TN vibes. Okay, because he likes rocks. I maybe I don't know. I I just get Tian vibes from him. Of this, I'm I'm gonna say innocent. I know that's not that doesn't really like capture his essence. But for whatever reason, he gives me <laughs> younger <laughs> gives me younger sibling vibes. Okay. Okay. We also have to pick a song of the week because we forget sometimes. Okay. So. Uh, Tom is about being dependable and about being resourceful. So how would you, how would you tie that into Kaladin's chapter? With being resourceful, I think it's him not jumping to conclusions and him being willing to see what's going on and not just assume he knows everything. All right. Well, then that is our reading for this week. Emily, you got any song thoughts? Maybe something about love or serial killers. Let's see. Can you feel the love tonight? But I don't feel it's like as romantic as all of that. It's just like a like a date. I don't know if we do the beginning with you and me being like, I can see what's happening. <laughs> what? <laughs> okay, why don't we do that? Why don't we do? Can you feel the love tonight? All right, this week's this week's song is Can You Feel the Love Tonight? Next week's reading is three more chapters. Mm-hmm. We will be reading 15, Brightness Radiant, 16, Wrapped Three Times, and 17, Trapped in Shadows. Ah! I don't normally do this. Something's going to happen in this reading that you are going to freak out over. Ah, I can't wait! But we'll have to find out next time. My name is Megan, and I guess should get back to washing my hair. My name's Emily. I need to go do the dishes. You can do the dishes. Do you want to know why? Why? Uh, I believe in you. I believe in you, too. Ready? Ready. Break. Break.